0: Day on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Ebed Melech went out to the king's
1: house and spoke to the king saying, My lord, the king, these men have done evil in all that they have done to Jeremiah, the prophet whom they have cast into the dungeon, and he is likely to die from hunger in the place where he is, for there is no more bread in the city. He's going to starve to death. Now here's the king. Could you imagine? Zedekiah, oh, he deserves every bit of it. Man, just when I thought I got rid of this guy.
0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Jeremiah. Pastor J.D.'s message gives us a clear picture of the importance of ignoring the world's false hopes and turning to Jesus for real hope. Nothing in this world will last. And just like King Zedekiah, we have a choice to make. Place our hope and trust in something concrete or place it in a big hollow pit that gets lost. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 38, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: Then, verse 5, Zedekiah, the king said, look, he is in your hand. I mean, Zedekiah is probably just sitting back going, yes, because when he sought for Jeremiah and asked Jeremiah privately, hey, is there... (laughs) Anything Can you? Is there any word from the Lord? Yes, there is. As a matter of fact, Zedekiah, you're going to die. Nothing changed. So he then didn't want Jeremiah's death on him. And so what does he do here? This is a perfect opportunity for him to once again wash his hands of Jeremiah's death. Look, he is in your hand. Whatever you do, it's not on me. For the king can do nothing against you. So they took Jeremiah and cast him into the dungeon of Malchiah, the king's son, which was in the court of the prison. And look at this detail. They let Jeremiah down with ropes. Wow. Wait, why didn't they just throw him down there to his death? He's already weak, frail, old. Injured, why did they lower him down with the ropes? Answer, they wanted him to suffer a slow, brutal, cruel, agonizing death. And if they would have thrown Jeremiah in that empty cistern, which had been once filled with water that has run out now because it had been cut off, And all that remained in there, as we'll see in a moment, and in the dungeon there was no water but mire. It's just an empty cistern, very deep, very cold, very dark, and full of mud. So Jeremiah sank in the mire. So that way now they can wash their hands of Jeremiah's death. If they would have thrown him in there, then they would have been responsible for killing him. No, we didn't kill him. We just lowered him down, you know, because we're so merciful (laughs) with ropes. And he died in the dungeon, as everyone dies in the dungeon, so you can't blame us. Now, (laughs) there's something else here real quick. This cowering and acquiescing to condemning and killing an innocent man, is reminiscent of Pilate, who would do the same to the God-man. I find no fault in this man. And he tried to wash his hands of it, and like Zedekiah, (laughs) in a grander and greater way, obviously, sought to distance himself from the death of Jesus on the cross, so that he could wash his hands. So he he put it on the Jews. So that he could somehow not have the blame for Christ's death laid at his feet, or on his hands. I love how one commentator noted this, and I probably should be careful here because I'll get angry at Zedekiah again. I've just calmed down. So, But this guy is a weasel, man. He is a weak, Weasel. And I'll find a couple more W words if I can that aren't bad, but uh, maybe you can help me out. But this guy, what a coward. What a weak man. He's not even a man. He's a mouse. One commentator said, he has no backbone, he has a wishbone. (laughs) You know, he wishes, he hopes. Okay, yeah, whatever you guys do, that's fine, he's in your hand. I mean, I can say nothing, you know, I can do nothing against you, and I wash my hands of this. Go ahead, do whatever you're going to do. It's not on me. It's going to get worse, by the way. Now, verse 7. I'm going to be introduced to this amazing guy, Abed melech Now, this is not necessarily his name, but could very well be his title, because Ebed-Melech means servant of the king. And we're told that he was an Ethiopian, and one of the eunuchs, who was in the king's house, and he heard that they had put Jeremiah in the dungeon, when the king was sitting at the gate of Benjamin, Verse 8, Ebed-Melech went out to the king's house and spoke to the king, saying, My lord, the king, these men have done evil in all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet, whom they have cast into the dungeon, and he is likely to die from hunger in the place where he is, for there is no more bread in the city. He's going to starve to death. Now here's the king. Could you imagine Zedekiah? Oh, he deserves every bit of it. Man, just when I thought I got rid of this guy, here comes this Ethiopian guy. Then the king commanded, verse 10, Ebed-Melech the Ethiopian saying, Take from here 30 men with you and lift Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeon before he dies. So, verse 11, Ebed-Melech took the men with him, went into the house of the king under the treasury and took from their old clothes and old rags and let them down by the ropes into the dungeon to Jeremiah. We're going to see why here in a moment. But there's something I want to draw your attention to, and it is enormous, for lack of a better word. And it really hit me today as I was preparing for the study. Think about this. God uses a hopeful foreigner to rescue a godly prophet from a hopeless pit from an evil king who has malintent being hopelessly deceived. Did you get that? We have a saying, boy, you sure find out who your true friends are. And let's just talk about Jeremiah for a moment here, because He's a real man, like you and me. He has feelings. He has emotions. He's really hurting, not just physically. you got to know he's hurting emotionally. I mean, he, he is so down, literally down, in the mire, the miry clay. And, I mean, he may very well have been at the point where he's like, okay, enough already, like the many men of God before him. I think of Elijah, he's like, okay, Lord, enough already, just kill me, just, you know, just kill me. (laughs) The the Apostle Paul, this brings me great encouragement, by the way, When I read about men like Elijah and the apostle Paul, I'll just use them as examples. But when I read things like the apostle Paul saying that he despaired even of life, he didn't want to live anymore. It got so bad. Job, same thing. They're in good company. And I got to believe, though it's not recorded for us in the narrative, I got to believe that Jeremiah is down there thinking, well, Lord, I was faithful to your calling on my life at great cost <laughs> to my life, but I didn't waver, Lord. And now here I am, and like Joseph before him, by the way, who was also cast into a dungeon of a pit, left there to die. You gotta know these, and I gotta admit again, <laughs> to my own shame that if I'm in that pit, I'm complaining, I'm questioning, God, why? Here I've served you faithfully. I've not wavered. And here I am in the bottom of this pit. And that was basically what Elijah did. Again, that's why I feel really good about and encouraged by guys like Elijah, because I would have done the same thing. That's what Elijah did. He complained, Lord, you know, he's, he's running from God and he wants to die. And he runs, well, he's got a contract out on his life from Ahab and Jezebel, just on the heels of this, I mean, miraculous victory over the prophets of Baal. He's hiding in a cave and God comes to him and, well, he knows the answer. But he says, Elijah, what are you doing here? I would have said, "Well, everybody's got to be somewhere. I'm here. You know why I'm?. Yeah, I'm yeah. I told you, you know why I'm here, Lord. I mean, what is going on here, Lord? I mean, I have, you know, done all of these things, and here I am now, and I'm going to get he's disappointed with God, by the way. He fully expected that God was going to also have Ahab and Jezebel killed, but he doesn't he's disenchanted. He's disgruntled. And here he's been faithful, and the Lord responds to him, Elijah, okay, I've got 7,000 like you that have not bent their knee to Baal. Get up. Get out of here. Get going. But i got to wonder about Jeremiah at this point. Has he just kind of given up hope? I wonder what it would have been like at this point when he sees, and he probably knew this guy, this Ethiopian, and then all of a sudden this guy shows up with 30 men. Why 30 men? Okay, this is why it's important information when we see it in the text. These men have not had a lot of food to eat. They're very thin. They're very weak. And if he's stuck in the mire, which he is, it would take that many men to get him out of that well, that cistern, that mire. So, verse 12, Then Abed Melech the Ethiopian said to Jeremiah, Please put these old clothes and rags under your armpits, under the ropes. And Jeremiah did so. So they pulled Jeremiah up with ropes and lifted him out of the dungeon and Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. Again, interesting detail, right? Why? Because this Ethiopian knew wisely that if they would have lowered the ropes, and Jeremiah, in his condition, at his age, were to just straddle those ropes under his arms, and just the pressure and the suction from that mire that he was stuck in it would have ripped his arms off if, at the very least, it would have caused extensive injury to his body, his already injured body. So he has him, he lowers them down first. Imagine Jeremiah, when he sees the ropes, the men, this Ethiopian, and here comes the ropes with these clothes and rags, I'm thinking Jeremiah knows exactly why they're lowering those down. So he's going to put them underneath so they don't injure him. And it's going to really kind of seek to be a buffer from the pressure when the 30 guys, well 31 counting Ebed Melech, right, are going to pull him up by those ropes, by his arms with those clothes and rags under his armpits and they're going to get him out i mean the care and the compassion with which he rescues an old weak starving and frail faithful prophet jeremiah verse 14 then Zedekiah the king oh here we go again sent and had jeremiah the prophet brought to him at the third entrance of the house of the Lord. And the king said to Jeremiah, I will ask you something. Deja vu all over again. Again, hide nothing from me. Jeremiah, verse 15, said to Zedekiah, if I declare it to you, you will not surely put me to death. And if I give you advice, you will not listen to me. This is a textbook case of catch 22. Come on, man. You're killing me. Literally, you're killing me, Zedekiah. I mean, what in the world are you thinking? What are you hoping? Oh, I know what you're hoping. So you've brought me here, and you're hoping. Now, if I tell you the truth, that's not what you're hoping to hear. That's not what you're wanting to hear. You're going to kill me. And even if you don't kill me, You're not going to listen to me. So why bother, Zedekiah? I mean, let's just replay the video of the, (laughs) the Word of God, the prophecies. Now, clearly Zedekiah is still holding out hope for a different outcome. And lest we be too quick to come down too hard on him, Would you agree that this is alive and well today? I just wonder, and you'll forgive me, but we just experienced it yet again, putting our hope in an election, hoping for a different outcome. I mean, even if, hypothetically, theoretically, we get our guy in office, okay, Uh, Been there, done that, bought the t-shirt and the hat. Two for one. No. It's, nothing's gonna change. Are you still putting your hope in that? You're gonna get burned. I promise you. On the authority of God's word. Are you still hoping for a different outcome? Okay, Zedekiah. So, gotta be angry again. Zedekiah the king swore secretly to Jeremiah, saying, As the Lord lives, who made our very souls, I will not put you to death, nor will I give you into the hand of these men who seek your life. Then Jeremiah said to Zedekiah, Okay, here goes. Thus says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel. If you surely surrender the king of Babylon's princes, then your soul shall live. This city shall not be burned with fire, and you and your house shall live. But if, verse 18, you do not surrender the king of Babylon's princes, then this city shall be given into the hand of the Chaldeans. They shall burn it with fire, and you shall not escape from their hand. Wow. Do you think Zedekiah was hoping for something different. Of course he was. This response from Jeremiah was, again, the only hope, keyword hope, for Jerusalem, and it would come vis-a-vis surrendering to the inevitable. You know, we want to keep fighting, right? We want to keep this world on life support, right? We want to keep this country. I know I'm treading on some very dangerous ground right now. But we want to save America. My Bible tells me what's going to happen, and it's inevitable. And you want to fight against it? Go ahead. You want to fight? Keep fighting. Keep this thing going, man. Well, not me. I already know how it ends. And any attempt or effort I just think of the amount of energy and time and resources. Just the time. Let's just talk about time. Just indulge me, please. And I just think about that time. Forget the, the money. Forget that everything else. Just the time alone that was spent on an election. For what? For what? Oh, pastor, there you go again. Are you saying we shouldn't vote? No! I'm saying vote if you want, but don't put your hope in the election or the person you're voting for. And stop fighting to keep it on life support. It's inevitable. Let go of it. Verse 19, and... Zedekiah the king has said to Jeremiah, listen to this. I am afraid of the Jews who have defected to the Chaldeans, lest they deliver me into their hand and they abuse me. But Jeremiah said, they shall not deliver you. Please, please obey the voice of the Lord, which I speak to you. So it shall be well with you and your soul shall live. Jeremiah really cares, doesn't he? But, here it is again, verse 21, if you refuse to surrender, this is the word that the Lord has shown me. Now behold, all the women who are left in the king of Judah's house shall be surrendered to the king of Babylon's princes, and those women shall say, your close friends have set upon you and prevailed against you. Your feet have sunk in the mire, and they have turned away again. So, verse 23, they shall surrender all your wives and children to the Chaldeans, you shall not escape from their hand, but shall be taken by the hand of the king of Babylon, and you shall cause this city, you shall cause this city to be burned with fire. Then Zedekiah said to Jeremiah, let no one know of these words, and you shall not die. But, verse 25, if the princes hear that I have talked with you, and they come to you, And say to you, Declare to us now what you have said to the king, and also what the king said to you. Do not hide it from us, and we will not put you to death. Then, verse 26, You shall say to them, This is Zedekiah telling Jeremiah, I presented my request before the king that he would not make me return to Jonathan's house to die there. What's going on here? Well, (laughs) Zedekiah, true to form, is more concerned about what people will think of him than he is about what God has declared will happen to him. That's called the fear of man, and it's a trap, it's a snare. Your only hope is to please man because of your fear of man. Verse 27, Then all the princes came to Jeremiah and asked him, and he told them according to all these words that the king had commanded. So they stopped speaking with him, for the conversation had not been heard. They didn't have any witnesses to what was said. Now, verse 28, Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison until the day that Jerusalem was taken, and he was there when Jerusalem was taken. That's key. So, <laughs> what an astounding end of the chapter, and with it, the Bible study, yeah? Huh? Notice with me in closing the contrast between Jeremiah, who has a future and a hope, and Zedekiah, who has neither. That's the takeaway might be an oversimplification, but I'll end the way we began. In whom or what have you and I put our hope? Are we still holding out hope? Are we still holding on to hope? And if so, in what or whom is that hope? I think it's pretty clear. And sadly, Zedekiah, when they would come, would be taken exactly as Jeremiah prophesied according to the word of the Lord. And who in the end had the hope? Jeremiah, Jeremiah.
0: You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to this study in the word of God. As you continue to learn from the book of Jeremiah with Pastor J.D., don't discount the things you're hearing. God may be speaking to you individually today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own, too, to further understand what you've heard in this edition. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly. This only helps you grow in your relationship with God and others. If you don't have a church home, come be a part of ours. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions, to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe at calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like the one you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to understanding the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Jeremiah together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at CalvaryChapelKaniohe.com or come find us on social media. There are links to our Twitter and Instagram pages on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for listening to this edition of In Spirit and Truth.
1: Holding me true to you La, la, la